0: I had a tape recorder when I was a tween And in retrospect all those recordings were obscene But now I'm an adult and I can laugh at myself Why not play them for someone else? These are the tapes and I hope you enjoy A slice of nostalgia through the ears of a boy Travel back in time with a familiar sound Let's all get lost and rewound. Lost and Rewound, Episode 7, Rocco Rama. In
1: this episode, we talk fairy tales with a special guest, Brooks Rocco.
0: Howdy, folks. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome again to Lost and Rewound. For those of you who don't already know me by now, I am Alon, joined by Jimmy, a.k.a. The Hoff.
2: And we are on and off. We'll leave it to you, the listener, to decide
0: who is more one than the other. And as always, joining us to balance it out is future adjunct professor of logicology, Melissa Lloyd. Yeah!
1: That might be my new favorite title you've given me so far.
0: (laughs) We'll begin shortly, but first, a recap in case you're unfamiliar with the format. I carried a handheld tape recorder around with me during my middle school years of the mid-90s. These recordings became glorified dust collectors and remained entirely unheard until, well, this year. (laughs) Now it has fallen upon Jimmy and Melissa to listen with fresh ears and provide commentary as we dig deep into the rough and raw sounds of old media, specifically that of the cassette tape. Ultimately, we hope to achieve absolute humility as we come to grips with the sounds of our youth and attempt to connect the dots between then and now. And now we begin. (laughs) Joining us over Skype right now is a longtime friend and Danziger Zone contributor. His name is Brooks Rocco, and he's come from San Francisco, California. Introduce yourself, fool.
3: Well, howdy, everybody. What's up, East Coast? I have to say, uh, you know, we were talking earlier today that you guys are melting into little puddles over there. I actually just turned the heat on because I'm a little chilly. It's about, you know, 66 degrees. It's because sunny. San Francisco is
1: not a real place when it comes to weather. <laughs>
3: It's not a real place at all, and that's why I choose to uh, reside here. I kind of like the unicorns, personally.
0: You've been living there for like 12 years now or so?
3: New York, you've got flies and smelly trash. We've got unicorns and candy cane just coming out of every tree. In the yeah, twel- I've been here for about 12 years. Yeah. Um, I've tried to escape numerous amounts of times, and I, I just can't quit this uh, this beautiful little bitch. So, <laughs> I'm they, back.
2: Does, do they actually have seasons in San Francisco?
3: They don't, and uh, that is one thing that I miss about Woodstock because, uh, well, New York in general, the East Coast, I suppose, we had the sweltering humidity of summer combined with the uh, the frigid chill of winter and everything in between, and God, if we didn't appreciate every every second. <laughs> I feel
2: like it's hard to like mark time without like seasons. I feel like, for me, I know how the progression, you know?
3: That's why it's so
0: frustrating that spring has pretty much become a non-season in, in the, on the East Coast. Oh, yes. Well, this
1: year was especially weird, too, though. Like, we had the winter that wouldn't fucking end, and then suddenly it was a million degrees.
0: Yep, mm-hmm. pretty much. But that's, that, that, that's the risk you run with being on the East Coast. I think with the West Coast, especially when you're in North California, and every time I've been in North California, I've never been to L.A., so I don't have any point of comparison. It's always just exactly the way I really want the weather to be in New York all the time, which is actually somewhat unrealistic completely unrealistic.
3: Yeah, but you know, we've got uh, a ticking time bomb of an earthquake coming at some point, so we're going to get our Just Desserts.
2: Mm -hmm. And you guys, I mean, there's a lot of hills over in San Francisco and stuff, right?
3: Yeah, there are a lot of hills. Um, That kind of is a problem for all the fixed gear riding hipsters in the mission, but that's that's also why they don't leave the mission. So, I mean, San Francisco has these little neighborhoods that are completely dependent on transportation and, uh, I guess, uh, you know, fashion and bicycle access. So um, it's it's a fun little it's a fun little uh, social system that we've somehow found ourselves in.
2: I feel like all I know about San Francisco is that it's the best town to have a car chase scene in in a movie or a taco. Come on, what <laughs> taco I've, in a movie?
1: I don't know I've heard I've heard LA might have might have better tacos, but I think that's a point of contention.
2: Uh, I think uh, Mexico uh-huh. might have better tacos, uh. but I'm just spitballing here. The West
0: Coast uh, <laughs> expert go on a will a limb let there. us know.
2: No, what's the what's the verdict? Tacos, no.
0: <laughs>
3: Oh, that's the debate for a lifetime. L.A. gets points because they are right by the border and, I mean, no one can deny the authenticity of what's going on down there. But um, but San Francisco, I mean, we kind of invented the uh, – I'll tell you what. If you go to Wikipedia and type San Francisco burrito, there is actually a Wikipedia page for the mission-style burrito, the kind that's wrapped in foil that you kind of unload piece by piece and stuff into your head <laughs> – what Way everybody else fast. on the side of the
1: country thinks of as a burrito.
2: Well, that's the whole thing is that burritos aren't actually Mexican. They're, um, what's the word for it? The, the Mexicans from, from California.
1: They call it the California Mexicans.
2: I know, but there's a, there's a name for them. Chicano. Chicanos. Chicano. Yeah.
3: Yeah, they're, uh, they, they're good people. <laughs> they, they gave us burritos. People. I, I like think that's worth a lot. I like them. They can grow up. And they stick around because they don't like the cold, so they don't come to the East Coast.
2: Mm. Who likes the cold, really?
3: But you guys destroy us when it comes to pizza. I still have not had a New York style pizza out here that even comes close to what you guys got going. You got something in the water. uh, You got something in the air. You know, it's, it's, it's. It's just all know, that – it's no, like right.
2: grease that comes right out of the Italian guy's fingertips right into the pizza. <laughs> there's, a, a, there's
0: another thing too actually, which is that when my sister moved to New Orleans a few years back and every time she comes back to New York, the first thing that she gets when she gets off the plane or – not the first thing, but as, as soon as she can get her hands on one, a
2: Prostitute. bagel. <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't hear that, he uh, said...
0: Well, why don't you tell
3: me, for the, uh, the interest of your listeners, where is the best pizza in town out there?
0: God, I mean... Oh, that's a,
3: that's a loaded question.
0: It's a loaded question because it depends on what kind of pizza you want. Do you want the classic pizza, or do you want the Napolitano? Uh, I mean, there's, there's
1: all this sort of, yeah, the new foodie, artisanal Napolitano, crazy topping stuff, and there's... You know, even in terms of just a traditional New York plain slice, there's like 18 original Ray's. I don't know which one's the original or famous Ray's, or two, whatever it is.
2: Or two brothers, whatever. Yeah. yeah. The key to good pizza, I always say, is if the pizza looks good, it tastes terrible. And if it looks like someone like, <laughs> sneezed it out, it's probably awesome. That's how I always... like. If I look at the pizza, I'm like, oh, it looks fucking terrible. Let me, get, like, let me get 10 slices. Hook it up. Hook it up. My favorite Got one it. is uh, Antonio's over on 7th and Flatbush in Brooklyn. For, Listen, for a shoot up, slicing
0: This want. this is the Brooklynite. I would uh, recommend uh, mm-hmm. listening to his choices.
1: I would follow. Yeah, I would follow Jimmy's advice on where to get a good slice.
2: They hook it up. They <laughs> hook it up. I brought. A, I bring. I bring tourists there, and uh, they come and embarrass themselves. <laughs> but they're always like, I, I, "I need to move to New York. This pizza is unbelievable." I can, I understand. I understand where they're coming from.
0: Brooks, you celebrated a birthday recently. Happy birthday to you, man.
3: Well, thank you very much, Alon. I just uh I just turned The big one? The big 50 one? years old. No, it was, it was, it was, it's 30, man. So Alon's always been about a year older than me. So I've always got to see a little bit of what future is coming by kind of watching the way that Alon's uh, uh, life has, has has gone. So <laughs> I really look forward to my podcast next year. Look out. You'll
1: start one next year maybe you'll have us on. When I was your age.
3: No. I take all yeah,
2: my yeah, left you. cues from Alon from from as well. Every yeah. life cue.
3: Yeah, um, a lot. You're just a test subject for the whole world.
2: I am the number one guinea pig. <laughs> I was just thinking that. If he was like an animal. Yeah. Guinea uh, pig. That's, that's my spirit <laughs> animal. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oi, oi, oi. Well, look,
2: but where
0: did you do pre birthday? Did you do anything special? Like, did you just like, go out with friends or whatever in the mission or something?
3: Well, so uh, because of my blaspheming over the course of my life, God uh, punished me by giving me a 30th birthday on a Monday.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're speechless. Yeah. In in New York it doesn't really matter That's what. the
1: thing, I, I I understand Monday, but weekday birthday in New York, you still get hammered, just ask Jimmy. Oh
0: yeah Yeah, so speaking of which, so Jimmy just celebrated his birthday too. So you guys are actually two days apart, in your
2: birthdays. Uh
0: and Oh, happy
3: birthday, homie. Oh
2: thanks, man. Is your birthday the fifteenth?
3: My birthday
2: is the fifteenth. Yeah, that's my uh, was my grandma's birthday too, as well.
3: It's Aww, yeah, we're know. birthday buddies. Yeah. Me and your grands.
2: <laughs> when uh, when I was born, apparently, like I was like I was the gift to grandma, kind of thing. You know,
1: <laughs> hey, here's a grandchild.
2: Uh, you know, here to have it
0: and raise it. And
1: <laughs> we'll I'd see actually, you
0: later. <laughs> I'd actually like to right now while we're all here talking about birthdays. Uh, I have a birthday present here for Jimmy. I think Brooks, uh, you would probably take a lot of enjoyment in uh, talking about. This kind of stems from an earlier episode where we were talking about a certain movie. So, happy birthday, Jimmy. The Point Break,
2: <laughs> the point break soundtrack on CD. Oh, that is too good. That's oh, wow. awesome. Oh, Liquid Jesus? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Evidently, Anthony Kiedis was in this movie. He yeah. played like a bit part. And I didn't realize, because you and I, Brooks, we used to be Red Hot Chili Pepper fans to the max when we were younger. And Absolutely. I had no idea that Anthony Kiedis was in this movie no idea
3: oh Elon, that would be a waste of time <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man yeah it's like it's such a great sequence too it's the sequence where they're fighting um they're having like this fist fight with these hardcore surfer dudes they're like yo this is our break man <laughs> like anthony kiedis has like just the most ridiculous braids and i feel like he's missing teeth it's like a very ridiculous scene that's incredible
0: <laughs> The um, reason that I think it actually came up in that discussion about Point Break was is that we were talking about how surfing is kind of like s- snowboarding. Because yeah. I think we, uh, yeah, no, I remember exactly, in fact, from the first episode, because you and I uh, were the ones who were in that clip of, what do you want to be when you grow up? The, the cl- <laughs> Yeah, in the liner notes. We're looking there's... at the liner notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have don't, to ask, yeah. don't
1: get distracted. Dude, but... I have to ask, by the way, where did it's you track good. it down?
0: Where did I track it down? Yes. In Park Slope over uh, on 9th Street and 5th Avenue.
2: Hell yeah, dude! This is this is one of the best gifts I've ever gotten.
0: It's okay, so okay. Sweet. We're, t- <laughs> we're, take, have, we're take it away so we can get you through the You have right, birthday s- cookies and a time in the break to look at it later. I'll stop looking at it. I'll stop looking. At it. When we were interviewing people um, at, for like the school newspaper in fifth grade, and we had. Uh, an opportunity to like use the recorder and tell everybody and ask everybody where they want to be when they grew up. And we got to Snow O'Connell, and he said a professional baseball player. And instead of being a baseball player, he veered off into another sport. And I actually found out from you that he became a professional snowboarder. So that's, I think, what ended up getting into the discussion because Jimmy here <laughs> said that is a pretend athlete. <laughs> so I don't know of it. I know. A, contentio- a, co- a very contentious uh, we, we had a opinion. heated
2: debate about that. I mean, I don't. I, it was funny because even as you brought it up, I, you know, I have such a terrible memory that I was just like, my immediate thought before I remembered was, oh, fake athlete. <laughs> but like surfing and
0: snowboarding, having a lot of like. But um, I guess the reason why I'm bringing this up is, is because um, you were the only person I know who even like, knew what had happened to that guy. And is he even still snowboarding?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you're actually incorrect. He is not snowboarding. He's skateboarding and BMXing uh-huh. and has been doing, yeah. And has been doing videos for some sort of, uh, some sort of company of hooligans, uh, down in Southern California. He, he, uh, stayed close with a couple of the old friends from Auntie Ora. Um, Him and Teji and Ryan lived up in San Francisco for a while. I actually ran into them once in a while. We were always in sort of different posses and all that. But I did see them once in a while. But now I believe he's down in uh, L.A. uh, tearing up the streets. Cool. Um, And he's got to be about 32 now. So it's like if he's still doing it, he better be kicking ass.
0: Of course, uh, I mean, they, they these cats retire really early because they get started really young and they they peak and they can you know start a charity or something because they collect the money a la Tony Hawk or something or maybe start a well, video game. Well,
3: hold <laughs> on, now you're now you're speculating.
0: <laughs> now I'm <laughs> just going crazy. are crazy,
3: man. Come on, Grandma <laughs> Moses didn't start painting until till she was eighty three. Yeah, I think Snow O'Connell uh, skateboarding into well into his sixties.
0: How many people from Woodstock are you? Um, you know, pleasure to have there in your same city. It seems like you kind of have a nice uh, uh, luxury of being at home with enough people f- that you grew up with. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we did sort of collect a few of them. Um, yeah.
1: Is but I mean, we- you're not the first sorry. Woodstocker we've had on the show that's out in San Francisco or out in
3: California. Yeah, no,
0: Ben's been out there for a bit of time too.
3: Yeah, Ben moved out to Berkeley a couple years after I came out. Um, yeah, there's there's a few, but I mean, when you really think about it, where are you going to go in this this funky little country of Right, is this? New York, the San Francisco. I guess there's L.A., I suppose.
2: <laughs> you got a beef, uh, man. I love that. Anyone I ever made from San Francisco goes, oh, L.A., just, oh. It's you every think, time. I think the only
1: people who dump on L.A. more than New Yorkers are San Franciscans. San Franciscans. <laughs> what do you, what,
3: what, San what San is Francis- the term cons?
1: there? Cuns. How do you just, yeah. What As- is peppers? What is the noun for someone from San Francisco? Sannies.
3: Oh, God, that's that's, uh, that's a debate for, for the ages. Um, what do you call somebody from San Francisco? San Francisco. You call them someone from San Francisco. The, 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 the one that kind of bugs me is when people say Frisco. But I mean that's even a cliche unto itself. So I don't even mind that. I kind of get jollies on it. People say San Fran. I like SF. I call it SF. And people from San Francisco, yeah, they're, they're from San Francisco. You want to put a name on it? I don't know. You guys are New Yorkers. You get to own New Yorker. New Yorker's got some attitude. New Yorker's tough. San Franciscan? Uh, that sounds like a spice. Yeah, that sounds like a, like a type of ragu sauce, you know?
4: <laughs> <laughs> nice briskin sauce. Yeah, no,
0: that's true. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, listen to some uh, of these clips for the birthday special uh, for Brooks and... Um, Brooks and who? Brooks and, Brooks, and, uh, and Jimmy. Okay. Yeah, whatever. We'll shed some light. <laughs> hey, yeah. Lost or Rewound. <laughs> lost and rewound lost lost and rewound and rewound
4: approaching woodstock school the place that we dread the most there it looks peaceful but once you go inside death shall occur you do not know of the dangers that lurk in woodstock school if you go into the boiler room they call it the boiler room but actually it's really the, the pit that has the dragons and the snakes that slither up your leg and bite you to death And we just passed it. But when I saw it, I thought I saw two yellow eyes lurking from the window of the boiler room, sticking out. And there are very strange models out in the wood, out in the grass, in the lawn. What I think they mean, it means don't come here or else you will perish. Okay, we are gone, we are about, I don't know, few miles away now. Well, no, not that fast, but we're about half a mile away now, and I feel we are safe. Bye. That was a nice documentary on that To Go There, Brooks. And now, the 10-hour documentary on on sod. No! Sod is actually... Oh, man, that was, I hate those things. Sod is really grass. That Ouch. That hurt. Now is another episode of Demented Dictionaries. Our new word is doodledoo! doodle is actually a Latin word that means pig poop. Now you know what doodle do means, which you can talk to people all over the world. So this has been a Demented definition. Now it's Elon's famous sayings. This one is. Leap before you look. This has been an Elon's Famous Sayings. Hello and welcome again to another Elon's Famous saying. Now here's Elon. One of the other famous sayings of this one is, slow and steady wins the race. Unless the loser is on Schwarzenegger. This has been Elon's Famous Sayings. Now you're going to see some Brooks breath. Aren't you glad you don't have smell-o-vision? Oh, it's another one, one of Elon's famous sayings. no, not again! His famous saying is, "Take it outside and play with it, only if no one's looking." This has been an Elon's
3: famous saying. My God, what were we doing? When you
2: said "take it outside and play with it," were you talking about your pecker?
3: Of course, I was talking <laughs> about the pecker.
2: I.
0: Um. So whatever. It's the bus ride. I feel like we we were tag teaming. Uh. Um. And that was like I was beginning to get like programming. Um. Uh, kind of, underway. You know, with the demented dictionaries, the Lon's famous things, or whatever. Uh, I was like coming up with these random little, um, sort of sketches, if you will, that uh, would eventually stand as frequent. Um. They, they would come up frequently throughout all the tapes, so I don't know what the hell you were on with the whole story with Woodstock Elementary, but I do remember the boiler room, and it was yeah. freaky as fuck
3: we were dark little poets, weren't we?
0: Uh-huh well no, I don't know I mean, you 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 were more lucid than I was. Are you kidding me? I still don't feel that lucid compared to you
3: yeah well i'm a little bit I'm a little bit afraid now to to go to bed myself. The yellow eyes in the boiler room they don't call it the boiler room for nothing. <laughs>
2: That was pretty great.
3: I was actually kind of taking notes during that because I kind of want to turn that into some Bigger Alan Poe style uh, um, imagery and stuff. Like that's that's kind of that's kind of great. I don't know who that kid was, but he's awesome. I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: just want to throw it back to the other guys for a second too and see. So you get like there was the boiler room in Woodstock Elementary, but like were there other parts in your elementary school like you, Jimmy, here in the city, or do you remember things like that from when your childhood that were really simple and innocuous but when, at the time you thought were absolutely terrifying like the creepy basement or the attic or
2: yeah for sure not, not actually not my elementary school I don't feel like I ever had any like ideas about stuff like that but I remember there was an alleyway on my street when I was growing up and it was I guess I just went to someone's backyard Uh, But we always like imagined that there was like an evil monster at the end of that alleyway. I I, actually know that the the biggest thing that I think about is I used to be deathly afraid of monsters under the bed. That was like a real thing to me. You told the story when you like you jumped. Oh yeah, don't let's start already. Yeah, but
0: I mean that's uh, that was a
2: real that was a real thought though. I wasn't joking. (laughs) (laughs) But but again, like I think the only the thing that I have that's only similar (laughs) was um, when my, my father used to teach middle school. And they used to teach the, um, they had a special ed class in the basement. And I when I was in middle school, I used to joke that they had the monsters. They used to keep the monsters in the basement. And I thought it was so fucked up because to me it was fucked up that they had special ed kids in the basement with right. no windows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I'm like, that's not really cool. So in my mind, it was like the idea that they wanted them chained down there and they wanted them kept out of sight. And to me, it just kind of like, you know, when snowballed. I,
1: when I was in middle school, um, in the, in the gym basement, not in the main school, but under, like, the basement under the gym was where the band room and the orchestra room and the locker rooms were. And we used to call that the dungeon. Like, that was, you like, that's where you had to go down. It was down in the dungeon. It wasn't too creepy, like, not any more than a cinder block 70s
0: gym basement. Well, wait, what, what was the case when you went to, uh, like, middle school slash high school after uh, Woodstock Elementary? Was, were there, like, other rooms there that, like, you didn't dare go into because it was freaky as hell?
3: Oh man, freaky as hell in Antioara. Well, what was freaky as hell about Antiora was that you were in seventh grade and there was an entire set of you know people above you who were twice the size of you that were lurking around every corner. That like if you wander into the wrong hallway, you're gonna get crushed by you know their massive you know egos of of twelfth grade. You know. yeah Yeah. never mind um, the
0: dragon in the boiler room (laughs) doesn't seem as bad no that's
3: kid that's kid stuff high school is the real deal come on you throw that stuff aside
0: we actually have a follow-up clip i think you were updating what had happened with the boiler room so we have that clip right here ready to go let's see i
3: can't wait to find out what happens let's see what happens the thrilling conclusion
4: Remember in the first um, few chapters of the Danzig Zone, I told you the story about Woodstock School, how in the boiler room there's really dragons and snakes. No, I don't remember. Okay. (coughs) Excuse me. How there are really dragons and snakes. You're excused. Okay. Okay. How there are really dragons and snakes in the boiler room. No dragons. You told that in the first few chapters. Well, it's true. And the last, first, chapter. last, last chapters make that, and it's true. It really is true. Cause I went to the um, boiler room yesterday, cause I felt like it, and I oh, saw some. Good? Really hot. Okay, yeah, but um, it was really hot there, and there were snakes and dragons, just like I said. I saw and bears. Yeah, yeah, snakes, dragons, bears on mine. Oh my. Uh, no, what is it? Oh yeah, Wizard of Oz. No, um, it was scary in there, and one of the drag, one of these snakes followed me back home, and um, now he's my pet. He's pretty cool. He helps me destroy. The moral of this story: things that you hate could turn out to be
3: your friends. Oh wow! What an uplifting message to hear on my birthday, no less. Uh huh. That's great. (laughs) But I love. What I love is how nonchalant I was about walking into that boiler room on the off chance that there might be friendly dragons, bears, and snakes, oh my.
0: Yeah, I mean, there, there's a certain brashness, a bravery that you have as a kid. Like, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do this. I'm not supposed yeah. to, but I'm going to anyway. I'm <laughs> going to take that milk. I don't have to pay for it. I'm just going to take it. <laughs> there was, um I don't know, I mean, I remember exactly where that boiler room was, and it was right across from like this teacher that absolutely abhorred me because I didn't hold my pencil right. So I just always sort of equate the boiler room in that school, which for all intents and purposes, when I think back to it, realize that the ceilings are very low. It's not very large school to the point that it makes you feel like it's going to cave in on you. For anybody who's claustrophobic, it is not the place to go. And so... Uh,
1: was it just this particular classroom or was it the whole elementary school in retrospect was kind of low and
0: small? The latter. The whole uh, school is very small. But that whole like little area, that corridor where like the hallway kind of veers up a little bit and there's like a little, like it's a ramp. There's no stairs, just a ramp that goes up and, and into the other classrooms for like the first, second, and third grades and all that. And then there was a fourth grade classroom that was right across from the boiler room and nobody was allowed to go in there. But you know... I feel like the teacher knew something who was there.
2: I need to know how you hold your pencil, dude.
0: You need to know how I I hold my pencil? I need to know how you
2: hold it. Here, I've got the pen and paper
0: ready. The way I I hold my pencil is...
1: I don't think we've talked about this before. He's a righty who holds it like a lefty.
2: I don't even know what the fuck that means. Do it, dude. I hold it like this. Oh, you're doing it totally wrong. I'm (laughs) (laughs) in San
3: Francisco and I can see that you're doing it wrong. (laughs) 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 Fuck!
2: This is why we need like, I, the video
0: feed. Damn it.
3: Yeah, now, now it's turning embarrassing on you. I remember you being a young kid and kind of getting some shit from your teachers. And my God, Elon got so much shit from his teachers for such sure. silly little things. Sure. It's absolutely true. I think we need to take absolutely a picture true.
2: of your hand and like put it on the website. Put it up with this <laughs> episode, Elon yeah. yeah.
3: holding a pencil. <laughs> Instagram filter on it and then hashtag retarded pencil holding or something.
1: <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually one of the few social media feeds Lost and Rewound is not on. We don't have an Instagram. Maybe we should start.
0: Maybe we should. Well, let, 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 let's up the ante here. What was the most embarrassing thing that happened to you uh, in regards to like a teacher that uh, called you out on something, and like even if it was like the stupidest bullshit ever?
3: Yeah, I, I remember um, getting pulled outside of gym class with Miss Countryman because. A, uh, a, a a female student who – I, I guess I can say names, right? She's never going to hear this. Oh Corinne Tracy. Never. No, Corinne she, Tracy. we oh. just interviewed <laughs> her. it has been on the show. Fantastic. <laughs> go yeah.
0: on. Go on.
3: Yeah. Crin Tracy called me out for making fun of her on the school bus. Oh, boy. In June class. And I had no recollection of uh, making fun of her or saying anything rude. We must have been filming some uh, Danziger Zone on the uh, on the school bus and uh, – I, I don't think she took it very well, but that that was that was kind kind of kind of off and kind of embarrassing. But no, I had excellent penmanship, and I never got called out on that.
4: Well,
0: fine. I'm glad that you that you got a 100 on every single spelling. I was, I was kidding. I'm, kidding, I'm, kidding. A big, <laughs> I'm a big
2: time penmanship hater, dude. If you got bad penmanship, I'm like ready to call it out. I don't know why. I think it's I write. I have good, nice handwriting the same way. But I, I used yeah. to always bag on people if I saw them <laughs> like and their handwriting was was bad. I would just that was that was it. It was that all the artillery I needed. But you did band as well, Brooks. So there might be even some stories that
0: from band where you uh, not not to belabor the point, but I mean I can imagine that there must have been some interesting stories that came out of band with your teacher. No?
3: Yeah. So I, I was a, I was a trumpet player. My dad was also a trumpet player. He um, so uh, back at our house, you know, we would do like duets and stuff. So I, I kind of learned how to play trumpet through my dad. But um, I, Ian Lane and I were like the two trumpet players back in you know third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And uh, every time we would have a private lesson with Mr. Westervelt, before going into the room, as the person who had just come out of a lesson came out, we kind of gave each other like silent nods and winks just like, is he in a good mood? Is he in a good mood or not? Oh, God, he's pissed. Because that dude, if he was not in a good mood and you accidentally hit like a C sharp while running through Baba Black Sheep in C major – like, he would shoot steam out of his ears and become, like, a a, a a red, you know, boiling plate of emotion and flustered, I hate children playing music. So uh, we kind of were afraid of that man. And I think that he was actually probably the dragon in the boiler room.
2: It all comes full circle. Did he, it, it, did he sit at the front of the room on top of a pile of treasure?
3: Yeah, with his legs crossed and uh, his sort of – His bald head just, like, shooting off uh, uh, heat waves.
1: (laughs) I'm having visions of, like, a 50s or 60s, like, Hanna-Barbera or Looney Tunes kind of character just sitting there on top of the pile of whatever with the steam rising up, turning red.
3: Yeah. That's exactly exactly what it was.
2: Wild story, actually. um, Semi-related. I went on a date recently with a girl, and I guess I was telling her, you know, she was interested in the, in, uh, the fact that I was a tour guide, and she goes, you ever tell any stories that, like, Aren't uh, necessarily about New York City, but like relate, you know, in some way. And I was like, yeah, you know, when I uh, when I go through Chinatown, I'll just say Chinese facts doesn't have to be about like New York Chinatown. I was like, like for instance, um, the the Chinese dragon is just all the other of um, the zodiac animals put together. You know, body of a snake, head of a horse, Mm -hmm. ears of a rabbit, yada yada. And she goes, and she was Chinese, and she I guess she wanted to know some Chinese facts, and she goes, oh. So you mean dragons aren't real? And she was Whoa. completely serious. Deadpan serious. Yeah. And I I mean right away I just wanted to go what? like flip the table and jump through the like the <laughs> <With> <laughs> end of date, red flag <laughs> over, over, abort, abort, so abort. I, but what I actually did is I totally <laughs> I tried I, I was I was as nice as possible about it and I uh I was like, yeah, you know, um no, I think The whole idea of dragons is that people found dinosaur bones and didn't know how to explain it, but there's never been any lizards with magical properties. And she... You know, she had this like this look uh, again of like you know the learning look on her face, and then I didn't really say anything for a while, and so she's like, "You probably think I'm really dumb," and I'm just like, "Oh no, what do I do?" <laughs> this is rocking a hard place. But let me ask you, Brooks. There are,
0: there are unicorns in San Francisco, so this kind of defeats the whole purpose of complaining that there you know dragons don't exist. If unic- if dragons exist, then unicorns have to exist, and they exist only in San Francisco. No. I'm putting you oh on the spot.
3: no, they, they they escape from San Francisco, but they definitely leave their hearts here. Their little <laughs> gl- glittery sing- rainbow hearts. Does
1: so anybody start singing Tony Bennett?
3: <laughs> oh, I don't know any songs. Let, song. I love my heart in San let, Francisco. Let's. Oh, let's boom, nah, yeah. Well, <laughs> come pick it up. The hearts are piling up. Jesus, <laughs> bring them just to New York. Can't me. even walk down
2: the street without stepping on some goddamn arteries. <laughs> let's, let, let's let's let's
0: uh, let's take a very quick break, and we'll we have another uh, clip coming up in a little bit. Actually, no. Well, hold on. We have a another clip, actually, we have to play here uh, because, um, as evidenced by the last clips we were playing, uh, Brooks certainly got enough, sh- you got enough shine time, and there was definitely a lot of taking over that occurred, uh, it, you know, just like, as has been the theme that has run throughout this entire uh, uh, playback of all the p- clips, it seems like there's plenty of taking over, so let's take a listen to oh, this. Oh, man.
4: Hi, this is Brooks trying to take over the Dancing Zone. Juan's playing um, Donkey Kong Country right now. He's in the Krem industry Industries Inc. He's got Rambi right now. And he doesn't know that I'm taking over the Dancing Zone. So... <laughs> okay, glad that's over with. Yes, I have done it. I have done it. I've just taken over the Dancing Zone. Well, we're gonna be taking a play. We're gonna call this Rocco Rama from now on, no. and it's Alon's birthday too. <laughs> I'm so good. Yeah. No, 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 no!
2: <laughs> Why didn't you use an original wow. name like Rocco's Modern Life or
3: something? Yeah, <laughs> man, seriously. Well, first off, Alon. Now that it's 2013 and we're we're uh, we're getting older here, I want to. Really apologize for stealing the Dance of your zone from you so many times. What I would like to know
0: is
1: you're actually not the only one though. There's a lot of stealing yeah. the tape recorder going on on the show. I, I
0: mean that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's there's it's not a surprising feat to do so. Um, it's a handheld tape recorder and it's a little piece of contra It's a little dinky piece of machinery. But let me run that back though because you mentioned Rocco Rama and. We, we talked about this, um, you know, I think via G-chat, and I was like, whatever happened to rock rama You made a tape, <laughs> and then you insisted. You were like, you said that it didn't even exist, which I think was ridiculous, personally, because I, I could have swore that you had made a tape called rock rama as a sort of a, a retort to the Dansker Zone, as a sort of a comparison point or something. I don't know, but you basically supposedly never made this at all. Is that correct?
3: Well, I think what happened was one day I picked up a guitar and started listening to Metallica and uh, never looked back. Did you have a lot of feelings? Did I have a lot of feelings? No, the feelings were completely dulled by the distortion on my amplifier. When did you start playing guitar? I started playing guitar, I think when I was about... 14 or 15 years old, I found my dad's acoustic guitar sitting around, I, I just kind of picked it up. And um, and one thing led to another. Uh, I took a couple guitar lessons from some local burnt-out Woodstock hippies. As it was meant to be taught. Handed down exactly. from one hippie to another, you know? Exactly. I mean, that's how Woodstock sort of worked. I don't know if you guys have ever been up there, but there's only – there's two kinds of people in Woodstock. There's burnt-out hippies, and then there's uh, weekend warriors. And small um, yellow
2: birds? <laughs>
3: it's the, the
2: weekend
0: warriors are the ones who live in the city but could afford to they, live. Up they come state. upstate. So obviously, once you started playing guitar, it was like it was all downhill from there. But you, so you were recording yourself. It really
3: did go all downhill from when I picked up that guitar. That what, that is that is the truth.
0: When you uh, started playing guitar, did you record yourself playing guitar? And so like yeah, and I
3: have some uh, I have some audio tapes of like some really really old guitar sort of noodling. I used to play alongside. And my friend Kenny Hockman, we were sort of guitar buddies, and we would play along to old uh, Iced Earth records and In Flames records and like obscure Swedish metal bands. You know, he loved Pantera, I loved Metallica, and we just became metalheads. And f- and for the rest of uh for of my time out there, I would um I would listen to like old Norwegian black metal records on my headphones while riding on the bus. And I guess Rama died right then and there. Well, sure. Along with Norwegian churches, Rama was also burned.
2: <laughs> oh boy! The uh, That's right.
0: the the nature of that that clip. Uh, I mean, it, huh. it, that was only one of many instances where somebody was, uh, you know, picking up their recorders. So, uh, I mean, granted, it seemed like. The lucid amount of uh, information that you were bringing at all times completely was a good contrast to me, which was you know still to this day I'm like and you're and you're like ha I am taking over the Dansker Zone it is all mine all mine
3: that's like that's you, right kind of evil mastermind like King K rule and one thing I noticed in that clip was that I uh, I mentioned specifically Donkey Kong Country and Krem Kroc Industries that was, which was what we were playing you know, yeah. That's right. And, uh, and and forget about the whole guitar thing. Before guitar even came into it, we were into video games. We sure. loved video games. That's what we did. We played Super Nintendo all damn day. We played Donkey Kong Country. We played Final Fantasies. We played this game called Plock, which yeah, I think everyone, everyone listening right now... Should- the Google image search for Plock, that's P-L-O-K, have a look at that colorful little nightmare, and that's what was entering our brains for years.
0: Plock was a game that came out in 1995, 1994, maybe even earlier, and it centers around a character who is... Able to shoot his limbs off of his body. That means his arms and his legs. The plot is not necessarily that important. but The games
1: of that era were not exactly plot heavy.
0: This game is so obscure, Melissa. This game is 64 levels, and it, it is impossible to beat, even on normal. Brooks can attest to this. I can attest to this, that even on normal, it is virtually impossible to beat this game. It just makes – there's one level where you shoot your limbs at these targets, and you have to run around – rather, hop around, I should say, the entire level without the limbs. And you have to make it through the entire board, basically avoiding enemies. Okay. It's impossible. Yeah. You don't. I mean, I guess you have to really. No, I can uh,
1: see how that's just completely absurd. My. It's
0: the most absurd game ever made. My one easily. little
1: tidbit I was going to contribute to the segment was just that, in addition to the other birthdays we're celebrating this week, the original NES also turned thirty years old this week. Wow.
3: Well, what was? Oh your... my god! Really? That explains everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where we're, it's all coming full circle again in this matter. What was your favorite game of uh, either for NES or SNES when you were growing up? Sorry, for NES well, in either general. One. I mean, yeah. whatever system
3: you had. Oh, well, I'll tell you what, the, the game, so I I, uh, uh, I loved playing the Zelda games. I think the, the Zelda game for uh, Super Nintendo um, was one of my favorites of that era, but uh, the one that I really do have a lot of nostalgia for, and I guess the theme of the show is nostalgia, is for Final Fantasy II, mm-hmm. which came out in Japan as Final Fantasy IV, but Alon and I would play this game religiously, like every night that we would hang out, we would play this game, not because, you know, you know, we were like, or anything like that, it for the story. I mean, this game was a thrilling and beautiful adventure with incredible music. You know, um, and we were so into this game that we we dedicated a small chunk of our, like, vision of the future towards creating a live-action movie of this game. And I remember for, you know, for a couple a couple weeks in a row, we started a new game, got out pen and paper, and transcribed every bit of text. Julan, do you remember Absolutely,
0: the tra- I, they they were in my drawers for uh, not my actual drawers. No, they <laughs> were in your <laughs>
3: pants, in your underwear. They were in, in my
0: drawer. pants, in your drawers. They were in my pants. There we go. I got that one. <laughs> we'll keep that one. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll take care of, get rid of the other one. No, well, they, the, the, they they, they the were The reason were in my why drawers. I love
3: this. Oh, I, uh, the reason why I love this is that we spent all this time like writing down every line of text in this game, and you know this was like before voice acting. This was before. Um, You know all that full motion video and everything and this is when it would all just like come on the screen as text And we decided in order to make a script for this movie that we needed to spend our lives making because we love this game so much We had to write it down by hand Not thinking for one second that the fact that it's written in text in the game means that somewhere it exists in text You know we probably could have just written a letter to Square and they would have sent it to us
0: I think I had Steven Seagal cast as Kane (laughs) That's
2: amazing that's amazing. I mean, it, it, I know it, the game, so I it's understand. an easy
0: deduction to make. Action star guy who jumps really high. For all who, who don't know, it, the character is this yep. gar- soldier who jumps up, and there will be fights in the game where he'll just be he'll use his jump atta- uh, attack, and he's gone for like a few rounds, and it's pretty funny because he'll just come out of nowhere. Sometimes yeah. I know you guys
2: yeah. love Final Fantasy too. But
3: I gotta say hello, Final Fantasy 3. <laughs> I'm Yee! a big three guy. Big three guy. You're a big three guy. Of course yeah. you are.
0: Whatever. I'm just gonna go out for it and say <laughs> I do love all these Final Fantasy games, but
2: Mega Man. It's all I'm about. Oh, uh, dude. You ever playing Mega, man Mega You ever played Mega Man in Base? Nah, man. Oh, I don't that know what was, that shit is. I don't it know. was. Um, it came out right around Mega Man. Uh, nine. It was like right. It was like after. It was before Mega Man X. Dude, this
0: is like I was. We were in, I was in college at that point. I don't know. Maybe high school. Maybe high school. No, I'm talking I mean, about. I'm I was talking in, about like the Mega Man's for NES. Mega Man
2: X was for for was for Super Nintendo.
0: Yeah, Mega Man, when Mega Man X came out, that was great. I remember. I was all about that. I mean, granted, the problem is is that like unlike Donkey Kong Country, which was a game that you could play with two players, uh, Mega Man X. You couldn't do that. It was a one player game. So, you know, when Brooks and I would go over to each other's houses or we you know, had other people, uh, you know, I talked about this actually when Ben was on the show uh, on episode uh, three. When his birthday came around, he played Mega Man 4, and we just all watched him play it and did it masterfully. Um, yeah, that's, it's, there's no fun in that. I and mean, that is really. sort of the one
1: of my biggest memories of video games from that era, especially because I was the kid who didn't have a system at home, that Ooh. there was. Yeah, and my parents were very anti-video game until my grandparents sent my brother a Game Boy one year for Christmas without without asking, and by then I'd missed the video game boat. But I I remember going over and like watching my friends play, like trying to play on their systems. I could kind of play Sonic because you just went around and collected the gold rings. But that era of games, there weren't really a lot of multiplayer games that you played together. Like when Mario Kart came out, that was a big deal because you could race each other.
2: Yeah. Um, The other day, actually, I... um I sat down to play a video game, and uh, I wasn't high, and it was just the worst thing ever. I just, I just didn't... Trying to play video games over. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, what the is... The Lord help you, Jimmy." Yeah, I was like, "How did I?" <laughs> I was like, "How do I ever enjoy these things? Like, this is just terrible." And then later, I played the game high, and I was just like, "This is the best." thing they could possibly be doing right now.
1: Have we told the story on this um, podcast yet about the summer that I smoked entirely too much weed and played Katamari Damacy on oh, PS2?
2: That game is amazing. For anyone at home that doesn't know this, Katamari Damacy is uh, a game... It's a
1: very Japanese game. A very
2: Japanese where you uh, have to roll up the world... Um, so you you push a ball and you're a little alien and some other alien just telling you to roll stuff up i don't yeah, know yeah you're what like the little prince is. and
1: your father's like the king of the universe and you're like a little you've got this little ball that you're and supposed to roll things up ball is
2: sticky and it, and it will, it'll like, you know, it has like its own like gravity. Each level, so, yeah, it gets bigger yeah, in the so gravity. It yeah. won't be able to pick things up that are bigger than the ball, but as you get it bigger and bigger, eventually you're picking up, first you're just picking up bugs, then you're picking up like, yeah, you like know, paper toys, clips, then, then, then you're picking up <laughs> like, then you start picking up people, then you're picking up the land, you're picking up mountains, ships, and like islands. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome. <laughs> it's <pretty laughs> I
1: played great. the whole game through, I think, in about three weeks.
2: Eight bit,
0: two dimensional. Hitting people or shooting things—that's all i am all about. I don't know, y'all. All y'all could love these 3D games, and actually, the N64, you know, had some good stuff. But I don't know. Yeah, at I the end really... of the day, I'm a purist. Yeah, I didn't art.
1: really get into games almost until I was in college, and then it was PS2 games that were already a couple years old because I could get them for cheap on Craigslist.
2: Yeah, I had a big boner when N64 came out back in the day. I remember that was—that was pretty awesome. I didn't know what yeah. to do. You and the bur- and the other birthday boy.
3: That's right. I was a big sixty four fan. Um, got my favorite game. We we used to play. Mar- so that, you're right. The, the big thing about sixty four is that you could have four people playing at once. Speaking of multiplayers, yeah, and we that was awesome. We dude, Mario Kart sixty four. Oh, man. Star Fox yep. sixty four. Do you remember the battle mode in that? Which is pretty right. pretty unbelievable. Um, and the best, char- what else and the best
2: characters as well in Star Fox.
4: Uh,
2: <laughs> oh S- yeah, Slippy, the little frog. Yeah. A little wiener frog. (laughs) He was the best. I still want to name my kid Slippy for that reason.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My cat's name, as uh, as I was growing up, was Peppy, and I named him after the rabbit from Star Fox. So
2: do a (laughs) barrel.
0: (laughs) Do. Um, we can continue talking about video games for a while. I think we should take a little break here, uh, get a little uh, AC on in, in the studio here. And that. when we come back, we, we have uh, some more hilarious clips, some maybe from the bus ride. Who knows? Lost and rewound. So we've covered video games, we've covered school, we, there's a lot to cover. Probably one thing that we have yet to discuss is wrestling. Oh I, boy. I give you the clip.
4: Oh, uh, oh no. Hey Chico, I am Ricardo Ramon, and you gotta say hello to the good guy. I mean the bad guy, I don't know what that means. Well, but he doesn't, he doesn't care. I don't like you, Ramorbo. You try to do everything to mess up the Danziger Zone. Well, you know what, Ela? When I finally destroy you once and for all, I, the Danziger Zone will be no more, and it will finally be called the remote Zone. And for me, for Color Ramon, I just gotta say, see. So his second oh. appearance by Recorder
1: Ramon on Lost in Rwound.
0: Except this time around, <laughs> Brooks is the one who's doing the voice, not, yeah. my, not myself.
1: No, this is the second time we've seen the character, or heard the character.
0: Correct.
3: Well, first of all, I think that was both of our first introductions to Chicano culture was through Recorder Ramon. Supposedly, uh, Coming from our nice little white bread hippie town of Woodstock, New York. Chican- that was very, yeah. very foreign to us.
0: Chicano as... Um, uh, is impersonated by Scott Hall, right? Yeah. Doing his best Chicano for whatever that might mean. <laughs> yeah.
1: What was the actual WW? I guess was WWF at the time. What was his the actual character was Razor Ramon? Is that who you guys Razor were spoof- Ramon, yeah. spoofing on?
3: Yeah, Razor Ramon. yeah. There was a, there was a character back in the WWF called Razor Ramon, and he was like a Miami greaser uh, who had this little like this little greasy curl of hair that kind of came in front of him. He chewed on toothpicks. He had a hairy chest, and he would just go and front of people's faces and talk the maddest maddest greasy shit right to him and um and god we must have adopted that into recorder ramon i don't know elon do you did recorder ramon have a have a arch nemesis
0: i think he was just sort of created we we covered this actually as well as episode three because um when i was at uh, the beat at the what it called the When I was there at the cottage in Connecticut uh, the summer, I went over to hang out with Ben and his uh, grandparents. We formulated the character just because I was like, oh, I... The Danziger Zone needs a villain, so let's create Recorder Ramon to sort of give a counterpoint <laughs> to the good and come up with like a sort of an alter ego who will represent the bad. And so uh, that kind of, uh, I think, just sort of spiraled out of control um, in future tapes. So, yeah, I mean, really. The good guy is Alon. The good guy is Alon. Oh. But, bad, yeah. but bad yeah. guy. the bad guy. Recorder Ramon. Let me is introduce the bad
3: you guy. to the bad guy. Come on. Well, so the the thing I love about this is that uh, back when Alon and I were really into wrestling in elementary school, which is probably around the time that this recording comes from, wrestling was really, really taboo. This was kind of before the the golden era of the WWF, you know, when like Stone Cold Steve Austin came into it and it got really popular. Alon and I were, at least to my knowledge, to our knowledge – probably the only two people in Woodstock Elementary that even liked wrestling to the point where it was actually a little bit embarrassing and that we would sort of talk about it in like hushed tones and yep. like co- code words in the hallway because we didn't want anyone to know that we liked this stuff because we thought it was like super fun. You know, there was like, you know, Doing the Clown and Jerry the King Lawler and Ludwig Borga and Lex Luger and all these like fun, colorful characters. But we were totally embarrassed by it. Not yeah. – Privately, I, we loved the shit out of it. But in school, it was a little bit embarrassing.
1: At the time, because it was back in sort of the early days of prof- – or not early, early days, but earlier days of professional wrestling, did you guys buy into the fact that they were – did you get that they were actually characters, or did you, like, buy into them as, like, the good guy and the bad guy? Were you on that emotional roller coaster with them as, like, genuine people?
0: As, as, as a, an adult right now, I could look back at it, and I could look at it objectively and say that it, it sort of ruined the experience – being sort of uh, breaking the fourth wall as wrestling has done now but for a very long time they didn't break the fourth wall and no, so No I remember that was a big deal when they finally did and they came out and they And so there was like a sense of sen- there was a sensationalism that came with being a child who was a fan of wrestling because it was entertainment there was no like oh well jokes over hey check it out real people blood yay um I mean it wasn't that it, it, it wasn't like that at all at the time. It was very much uh, sort of incubated in its own sort of uh, sensational. Uh, this is, you know, sure, it's fake, but it's entertaining and it's cool. And it's and it was very kitschy at the time because, uh, like the characters you mentioned, Ludwig Borgen, Lex Luger. I won't ever forget, by the way, Ludwig Borgen. I'm not going to say the whole thing, but paraphrase. He's like, you garbage man talking about Lex Luger like represented America and uh, Ludwig Borger represented wherever the fuck he represented and so like it was just like all these silly storylines and they weren't like really serious like now they're all reflective of social and political standpoints of which like eight year olds aren't gonna fucking get really they're, dude what's it say? It's con- CM is, Punk is
1: contemporary <laughs> wrestling really a social commentary I feel like it is though from no what,
2: man if you watch if I, I, I watched wrestling recently they um, had
4: a gay my marriage coos- there my little recently.
2: cousin my little cousin likes wrestling and it was just bad now. Nah, like, you feel like it would have tried to take a step and be more serious. It's just there's one character who just is the social media character, and all he does is talk about Twitter. Have you heard about this and stuff?
0: I think it's just the nature yeah, of like basically. how our society has gone, and so like as entertainment sort of matures, it's going to mature as well. And so and I think that really is what it comes down to. Uh, what, what do you think, Brooks?
3: Well, I mean, I don't think it at the time anyway. I don't think it really mattered whether it was real or not. It was a, it was a, it was a it was a circus drama on TV. We were, you know, like 11, 12, 13 years old and it was so fun. It was so fun. And even at the time, I think it was kind of a reflection of society at the time, you know, like during the Cold War era, you would have, you know, like renegade uh, Russian wrestlers and things and you know, you had like Yokozuna come in. He was like the the big scary uh, Japanese uh, sumo wrestler. Ludwig Borgu was actually Finnish. Oh, okay. If I remember correctly, that I think he was right. from Helsinki. And, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know whether that was a real reflection. I don't know if America's ever been kind of had harsh ties with Finland. Maybe we were actually trying to stoke a little bit. But Lex Luger was definitely like the all American. I mean, there, there were definitely little bits of social commentary involved in that. But at the time, come on, we were little kids and it didn't really matter. It exactly. was just col- colorful, flashy, and fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually have seen it recently. Myself and it is kind of depressing. S- social media wrestler. Oh my god, I haven't Wait, seen that. Wait, what? That's
2: what I said, yeah, just, should we just said I it like two seconds, it like like ago? I'm telling you, there's I, this guy and he's like, his like, his whole concept his is, he's, I can't remember. I definitely followed him on Twitter because I thought it'd be ridiculous. Are we like, talking about Zach
0: Ryder or whatever? That yeah, was? Zach Ryder. The oh, one, that guy's ridiculous. Yeah, and
2: he's like, he, he considers he's trying to be like the most popular wrestler by getting into social media. The only reason I I ended up. Uh, Seeing it is like, again. I watched it with my little cousin. And I saw his character, and it was like off the wall. And then I there was the thing where Hugh Jackman had guest starred on in the WWE. Of course, and he like and he punches Zack Ryder in the face, and it, it was like ridiculous. It was just off the wall, and he was like really into it. Is that when they had the gay marriage? <laughs> 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 Zing! That is Zing. Zing. Zing! Zing! It was just like I, this when it happened. I just and I, I was like Hugh Jackman what I is I could see Hugh Why Jackman though, we'll I could see
1: you to... I mean, of all the like of all of like the relatively like famous like real celebrities to go on WWE I could see Hugh Jackman doing it though he does the sticky kitschy thing sometimes just because he can
0: Tony Award winner Cindy Lauper was in the WWF at one point I mean every time Well Cindy Lauper
1: was Cindy Lauper I Like how you thing. said
0: Tony Award winner Yeah you <laughs> she did Boots. now a Tony Award winner Kiki
1: Boots we yeah won the best musical this year Oh yeah
0: for the record you said that Uh, Brooks, that nobody else besides us was watching wrestling. Uh, Incidentally, when we interviewed Corinne a few episodes ago at episode four, she indicated that she had, in fact, been to wrestling events quite often and actually got to have her photo taken with two wrestling superstars, one being Adam Bomb and the other being a tag team, the Bushwhackers.
3: Oh, yeah. Classic era stuff right there. Lon, do you remember when we met uh, Macho Man Randy Savage? Did we? Oh my God, we should play that have you guys that clip. played that clip. I actually, I have that clip myself. That is a cherished little audio file that I've kept with me. throughout Do you have my life. it
0: on you right now to play? Oh God, I, I don't think I can. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll put it on the website as an extra because, hey, truthfully, you hey, know,
3: you know, you know what we can do is uh, we can, ed, we can use the magic of editing to edit it in right now. Ready, one, two, three, boom. <laughs>
4: Sloan, lost speaking. Vi- Lieutenant, lost speaking. What's that? Right, it's a recorder. Oh no. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye that so awesome. It wasn't much, but that was Randy Savage. All right. We
2: are done. How? You see the chair? Look at the chair again. See there it was. How, wasn't how that did, hilarious? How guys? did the chalupa get there? Uh, Movie magic. (laughs) Um,
0: That was probably one of the um, landmark moments of the Danziger Zone because nobody ever famous uh, came on the uh, show, on the uh, program, but
2: Macho Man Randy Savage did make an appearance. Did you you guys hear about this um, Macho Man Randy Savage mod that they made for that game Skyrim so that all the dragons are Macho Man Randy Savage? What? (laughs) I'm not (laughs) surprised. pretty much the best thing ever. I'm not surprised. So when the dragon would come off from the distance and you'd hear like the dragon... Like you know, screaming. You're like, oh yeah!
4: A <laughs> dragon passing by, being like,
0: need a little
2: excitement. It's pretty. It was pretty much the best thing I'd ever heard.
4: Before.
0: <laughs> Ooh, I think we should go to another clip. Now that I think about it, actually, you um, we know, we're all about pop culture, talking about wrestling, talking about video games, and um, a little slice of music trivia. I think comes into this next
4: one. Okay, I'm going to, um, today on the Brooks Corner, or, like, well, okay, this afternoon, good afternoon, people. Um, I want to tell you that, um, yesterday, when I watched on TV, I, is this the on? Okay, um, I watched the Twilight Zone, and the song went like this. Isn't that cool? No! Yes, it is. No! Okay, um, well, I heard that Bobby Connors, who does Bobby's Polish jokes, I just found that out. I'm sad. Okay, well, I found out that he, like, broke his guy. thumb for the fourth time. <laughs> broke all fingers. Record. Oh, he didn't break all his fingers. Oh, okay, time out. Okay, now we're back. Um, oh, okay. Well, Bobby broke his thumb, and now in band, since he can't hit the register key, Mr. Westwell invented a contraption. Well, wait, wait a second. I'm going to change this, um, Set. Se- no, I'm going to change this segment from score and I'm going to change it to... Hold on. Well, here's a little history of the Brooks Corner. First, it started out as Brooks' fairy tale corner. My very first fairy tale was about Woodstock School. And um, first, what happened was I, I didn't do fairy tales anymore, so I made to Brooks Corner. But now I'm going to change it to The Informer, and I'm going to tell things that I know that nobody else knows. I'm gonna. the informer, and I'm going to tell you strange things. Oh, a truck has passed by. Well, I'm going to tell you things that not, nobody knows except for me, funny things, silly things, maybe uh, un- insulting things. We'll get back to the line. It's called the informer. Yeah, the and here's his music. <laughs> i Let's go
1: now. I can say, because I watched entirely too much VH1 in college, that one of the lines from Informer that you're boo-boo-doing over is, licky boom-boom down.
0: Licky boom-boom <laughs> down.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, Informer, ba 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 a licky boom-boom down. <laughs> that
0: would have been a good uh, topic for one Informer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, it's... that Scott, that song is ridiculous.
2: Uh, um, What kind of things was he... Uh... Was he was he going to inform on, or did he inform on?
3: I think I think it was really just an excuse to uh, attempt to sing that song,
1: <laughs> sing a white Canadian guy rapping.
0: So I mean, what would you at you know at twelve year old Brooks Rocco? What would he have in terms of information that <laughs> no other kid has? <laughs> this is a serious question, and that maybe not so serious, but entertain the thought. You know, you're, you're, you're young. You, you gain a lot of insight reading the Encyclopedia Britannica. or oh, yeah. In, I mean, there was no... Encarta. Or the Encarta, right. But what, well, what information, I mean, coming from the, the guy who would be able to supposedly have an eight-hour documentary on Sod in his back pocket... Um, what kind of? I believe it was a ten-hour
3: documentary. Ten
0: hours, right? No, the, the, the last two hours of the clincher.
1: Because when you were a kid, you're, you're every bird style. Like, because when you were a kid, every documentary was just arduous and forever, and about something completely <laughs> irrelevant. What information,
0: uh, when you were growing up, like, did you kind of like get all geeky about?
3: Well, okay, what did I get geeky about? Um, I was really into the game Myst. I think I spent way too much time changing CDs in my little Macintosh Quadra six ten. Computer and like kind of moving around that that uh, that world, um, but you know the thing that I was thinking about when uh, when we were when I was listening to the Informer was um, the Woodstock Wonderworks and how everybody sort of had their little click on there, and I know that you've mentioned this already in the past, Alon, but Ed Ott and the Guitar Car Gang, um, yeah, that that really is one of my uh, one of my favorite little memories over there. I and I actually did a little bit of research when I was listening to. You guys talk about this on one of the previous podcasts. I found the exact Ed Ott playing card that inspired that moment.
0: Were you big into collecting baseball cards back in the day? Because I had no, would have had no idea who the fuck Ed Ott was if it weren't for uh, you guys.
3: You know, you know, you say that, but I seem to remember you having a pretty significant collection of baseball cards. Ed, I have no
0: idea what happened to them. I, I, I think I sold them all or something. We all... I mean, Jimmy, you were a big baseball fan. Did you have a lot of baseball cards yourself growing up?
2: For some strange reason, I didn't. I wasn't into baseball cards. See, like, it's a collecting thing, but... My like... dad has tons, and he has, like... He, there's, a, there's actually some, famous, some card he has, which is, like, the most valuable card. Uh, I guess they, they took it out of printing. I can't remember what the player is, but in the factory... Um, someone had, had wrote, drawn on the card because the player was an asshole. Uh, so
1: it's an out-of-print card that's also got a misprint on it? Yeah,
2: well, it's not even a misprint. On the Right on the knob of the bat, uh, it says, Fuck Face. <laughs> <laughs> and he showed yeah. me this card before, and it got, went, out of, went out of print because they, they realized this, but there was a bunch that they'd printed in it. It got really valuable. I don't remember. I, I got to find out It was out Ed Art though? No, I can I can ask my dad. He definitely knows because he he. It's like his it's like it's one of his prized possessions. And Ed <laughs> Odd
0: is about the closest thing from Fuckface that you get. In baseball <laughs> name, player names.
1: Yeah, like nobody collects baseball cards anymore. I remember like. Bas- like there used to be it was a thing like the baseball cards basketball cards oh, yeah. like flip like they tried to make it work for other sports and it was never as cool. But... I had a
0: few basketball cards. I, I they probably are collecting dust just like the tapes were uh, up until we started the doing the podcast. Uh, the baseball cards I have no idea where they went. I had a I had a Casey Stengel card. The wow. uh, yeah old coach for the Yankees. Who I I honest to God don't have any idea where these cards went, much less that one. Um, but the fact is, is, is that when you, when Brooks, when you started that whole thing with the killer bees and then Ed on the guitar cracking, I was just like, Oh, whatever. This is just my fun way of being discluded. As mentioned before, uh, (laughs) I didn't really think of it much from the standpoint of, I have been, I I have been cheapened to a likeness to a obscure baseball player for the Pittsburgh pirates. I don't know how I got to be this
3: way. How did I deserve this? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it was a real exclusionary tactic. Maybe maybe that's how you remember it. I don't remember it quite being like that. I just remember the guitar car being like this this incredible like hippie sort of addition to the Wonderworks. And we happened to be the exact perfect height that we could both fit lying straight down upon the the grill of that car. And uh, and that was the extent of the guitar car gang. It was it was it was, a to- it was total nonsense, much like this entire Dancier Your Zone thing.
0: Pretty much. Like, for- the,
3: the informer. Come on. Nothing was ever informed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just real quick, uh, Brooks, for our listeners who are not familiar with Woodstock, what was, what's the guitar car? What is this um,
0: Wonderworks? We, we had talked about it, actually, if I may just interject quickly. Yeah, um, but give Brooks, some context real Brooks, quick. Brooks will probably have a better way of describing it. I think I accidentally described it as sort of like this huge wooden mausoleum, which is not the case at all.
3: Oh mausoleum! It's not really a mausoleum. It's, it's a playground. It was a playground created by the townspeople of Woodstock, and as we talked about before, Woodstock is filled with because like you're a know, bunch of hippies, hippies and artists and sculptors and rich musicians. people who
0: can fund these things.
3: Yeah, but at the time, though, I don't think Woodstock was quite filled with that. And the people that contributed to Wonderworks, I think, actually had a bit of a, you know artistic um, uh, sort of ethics when they when they built it. So. The WonderWorks is actually it's 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 pretty awesome. Like it's a hand-built playground, completely made out of wood. There's a giant, huge, massive pirate ship with like, with a, a, like a maze underneath the deck. Yeah, and you can get lost there really easily. Stuff. It's pretty it's pretty special. And I gotta say, you know, since I uh, since I've gotten older and I've come back to like visit Woodstock, and sometimes I'll like go out with friends to dinner somewhere. We inevitably end up with a giant bottle of wine going to the Wonderworks at about midnight. Uh, I've done this like three or four times now. Um, kind of like hung out on the Wonderworks. Have you, ever, have you done this, Lon? Have you gotten drunk on the Wonderworks in, in, uh, since since you've graduated? Uh...
0: No, because I'm usually driving. Uh, you're responsible. <laughs> he is responsible.
3: You, you're a responsibility. There,
0: there, there was no follow-up to that. Sorry. Dude.
2: This guy helped me move.
3: I did.
0: He's totally...
2: Jesus. Yeah, I know. He's such. What he's happened? Just, he's a good guy. He's just a good guy. I like driving.
3: Well, well Alon, I tell you what, the next time I'm in Woodstock, the first box of wine is on me, and it's we're going to the Wonderworks at midnight. I'm
2: already there. Oh, you
3: white people in your boxes of wine. Dude, don't
2: <laughs> hit on the box of wine. <laughs> and was, I mean, that was, like, that was a famous old uh, Chappelle line when he's like, you know, he's, like, he's like, you know, he's talking about the itis and the idea that black people will eat you know ribs, and then fall asleep. And he's like, "What? What? What puts white people to sleep?" And he's like, "And then some guy was like, box of wine." I, <laughs>
3: hey, I just think it's economical. You get four <laughs> bottles of wine in every box. Yeah, fact, yeah.
1: I could go completely off topic about boxed wine and. Some of the people I hang out with in my neighborhood, we drink boxed wine at the dog park religiously every day after work. And it's gotten to the point where we will squeeze the bag to make sure you get all of the wine I definitely out of the had boxed this, wine. I
2: definitely had this idea in my mind. I've never... I've never seen or or had boxed wine, but I just always had this idea that you people were drinking out of a gigantic cardboard box. And Wait, what like do you a mean? Tap you on the box. You people. people. I said people. I didn't say you people. Oh, okay. <laughs> we got we we got very sensitive. But I could have because you hurt our delicate
1: white feelings for a moment. Because yeah, I, uh, we're very sensitive these
0: days. I
2: can be a, I can be a minority when I want. <laughs> um, <laughs> for those
0: who are just tuning in, Jimmy is a minority. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes. <laughs>
2: Some, uh, I mean,
0: Well, he's
3: definitely in the minority when it comes it. to box lines.
2: I, I do whenever it's beneficial to me. Right. <laughs> I told someone that recently. Uh, I told that to him, like a, a friend of mine, and uh, he was very upset because he yeah, I feel like he experiences racism all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I love racism. I use it to the best of my ability, like just to get over on people constantly. It helps him. <laughs> he got rid. He was like re- he was like very very perturbed by it. But I was like, what do you expect, dude? What am I gonna like? be very proud and try to get all the racism to be bad for me. Mm. I was like, nah, 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 nah.
1: You're only Puerto Rican when it's convenient. Exactly. Like
2: when I have to run away from stuff. (laughs) On that note, it might be... that speed boost. Let's,
0: let's, um, (laughs) can can we, uh, can we go right to the next clip? Actually, I think, uh, not not to uh, derail, but this actually is one of the more interesting clips that's ever come from anything, recording, whatever. Check it.
4: If you want to run a radio station or something like that, and you want to be the reporter, you have to tape interesting things, like the things that the weather is, and, and, and you know, and I like the then, on what's going around right. the world. Right. News. News. Well, you don't want to... Guys, you don't put clown information on have the have news. news. Do. No, you don't. Did you ever, on the news, did you ever see, like, news like, oh, you already know, this is the Beaver, Beaver, and I'm the coolest person around. you yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Well, that's... You know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, you have to be realistic. You have to pretend this thing is actually the radio. You're actually talking to people around the world.
0: little bit of context.
1: Or speaking, speaking of Corinne...
0: Yeah, well, a bit of context before uh, we get into the discussion here. That clip is stemming from uh, Corinne complaining, I think, for whatever reason, about Brooks's clown corner, which was basically just a informer, except with you being like ah! <laughs> just like laughing in between, saying things that are interesting to you or hopefully to other people. So um, that being said, um, I think she was taking. Uh, offense to them, being like, no one wants to hear about clowns, and then went into that tirade. Uh, I think it was important to play that because, it, you know, you are um, just as much into audio uh, production and radio, as, if not as much as we are, and you've been involved with podcasts, so your opinion is very valuable, I think, to that kind of discussion.
3: Was there a question in there?
0: there I was saying your opinion is valued,
3: Well, thank you, Alon. That means so much to me. Let's hug. You're welcome, Brooks. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) e-hugs.
2: I like that idea of like the news. You don't want to hear about clown stuff. (laughs) Like no one wants to hear about clown stuff. That's ridiculous. Yeah.
3: Well, see, that's why clowns are always so sad, they say. It's because nobody wants to hear about it.
2: Nobody wants to hear about
0: it. Did you like clowns? Were you actually, you weren't afraid of clowns at all when you were
3: younger? Well, you know, more than I liked clowns, what I liked was magicians. And uh, there was one magician in particular that used to do the children's birthday circuit back in New York. And his name was Steve Charney. And I think Alon knows exactly who I'm talking about.
0: Only twice Now, Steve Charney
3: hated me. You personally? He hated me personally. This little seven-year-old adorable kid, he hated me. Because I'd seen his show before, and I knew how he did some of his tricks, and I had no filter at the time. Uh, this was before I needed wine to uh, remove my filter. Um, and I used to call out how he was doing his tricks in the middle of the middle of his sets. Yeah, I was that little Damien.
0: <laughs> you were that asshole. There, there's actually a video. Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm mentioning this, but why not? No filter. Five years old. Fifth birthday. And you stood up in the middle. Uh, you were there, and it was, you stood up in the middle of it. And you said, "That's an invisible string. It's an invisible string." <laughs> <laughs> and Steve was like, "What the fuck are you talking about, kid? <laughs> Don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Trying to perform for these children." Anyway, you got it. I mean, it was really quite marvelous um, getting that footage recorded. But where is
1: that film? Do you have any idea what happened to it? Oh, oh I,
3: I got that, that. That shit's at home. Whatever. Yeah. It's video. Well, I mean, I'm just glad we've spoken about it, so now it's on the record officially. Wash our hands clean. Um,
0: well the no, I, I think the reason why that clip was interesting was is because uh, because of the contention of you know what you were doing, of the stuff that you were creating, which by and large was just as, if not more creative than a lot of the stuff that uh, people were coming up with, just sort of them shouting, you know, being like wacky, doing something, you know, that was right. generally you know, kid-like, and you were coming up with stuff that was, again, as I say, I use the word lucid, a better word might be a little more thought out because you actually had these ideas that you were willing to put out there. And so, what do you do when you're a kid? You have a recorder, you're recording stuff that comes to your mind to sort of you use your uh, inability to have a filter and put it out there. Yeah. Corinne made an interesting point being like, this is a tool. It, you got to think of it as the radio. But it's not, really. At the... I
1: mean, was it, though, I mean, to a certain degree, part of the original, I mean, I know the Danziger Zone, the tapes and everything, it's all very organic and changed as it went. But at one point, there was sort of the sense of doing reoccurring bits or characters, like trying to make it a real show or a real...
0: Like, like a Today Show yeah. or a Saturday Night Live yeah. or any kind of bit show, whatever. Yeah. Well, I matter. think the difference...
2: Variety the difference between the radio and the Danziger zone that I think she... Didn't really get at the time is that there was no intended audience. I don't feel like for the mm-hmm. Danzigers run right away. It wasn't like you guys were like, right? You weren't like thinking, oh, we're gonna play this right. for like just the town, or we're gonna play it for like these people. It was kind of like we're gonna put it out there and like you know we're just gonna do we're gonna do this. And it's gonna be great. Yeah,
3: right. And I, I think that's that's where the magic of of these recordings really comes in is that w- that we had no audience. We we didn't know what we were doing. We were basically just speaking from our developed little, you know, feral hearts and s- seeing what kind of came out of it. I mean, uh, Corinne was saying you need to say interesting things like what the weather is. <laughs> well I think I guess gives I a could, shit I, about what the weather I is. I guess I sort of I mean unless of course you're in New York and you're sweltering and I'm And you want to
0: see Al Roker's and, face saying now here's what's going on outside your door. Here's, going
3: on in, here's what's then, going on in your matters. Well right now. But I tell you what, if we spent the Danziger zone sitting around talking about like the weather and the traffic would be no podcast there would be no lost and rewound we wouldn't give a shit what we what we like here is hearing the attitudes from these like unfiltered little little midgets who have limited experience in the world and are purely speaking from their heart whatever that is and that's
1: no you're right and that is comes from. you're yeah. right that is part of what makes lost and rewound so magical and work now at the same time though i kind of i, I sympathize or empathize with Corinne. i get where she was going with that you need to have intentional content and that you're I mean I get what, I get her point that you're Way made. to
2: take the woman's side. Oh, we just like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, no, she she's heated. Jimmy, what, what have you done? I'm
1: shooting him dirty looks right now.
2: I'm just saying, just saying. Well, massage. Let me
0: let me roll it I'm back. Saying. Let me roll it back. <laughs> to you mean to
2: <laughs> Chrysanthemum. Just what I'm saying. Put it out there just saying.
0: Brooks, you said before that, you know, this show centers around nostalgia, of which, you know, during the break we had to talk about that. And and after hearing a clip like that, you could tell that really this is more than nostalgia. It's sort of a good counterpoint to sort of see from in retrospect how we've gotten from then to now. And so, when you hear a clip like that, it just shows that this is like where our brains are when we're kids. Like this is how we Envision audio and the tool of audio when we're recording e- uh, ourselves. So yeah, I, you know, I think that's really I, uh, that's that was my point. Really, <laughs> it's
1: more of a t- it's more of a time capsule than an act, than an in, than an exactly. consciously nostalgic. Exactly. Exactly. And I
3: tell you what, I don't really associate. I don't really I don't really feel like I have a, a, a incredible connection with the voice that I'm hearing that apparently I'm being told is me. Uh, you know, because life has changed so much, and, and we've had so many different experiences and things. I think this more you know, as, uh, as Melissa was saying, like this is this is an unbelievable time capsule of just humanity in the '90s. You know, I think we all sort of wish we had a document like this. And to that, I thank you, Alon, for having the uh, having the foresight at you know eight years old to uh, grab yourself dumb, a recorder.
1: Yeah, or dumb luck.
2: <laughs> yeah, very dumb luck. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things. I was recently thinking about how I used to. I be like be really afraid of like leaving my mark on stuff when I was a kid. I didn't wanna like write on stuff. I didn't wanna like I wanted to leave things as they were. And then now I like I like try to look back and try to like see what I was doing when I was a kid and I and I didn't I didn't write anything or didn't touch anything or like I tried to avoid that and it's I feel bad the same way. They don't have necessarily what I was doing or things that weren't recorded, you know. And my mother has like uh, she has she has six photographs of her before the age of eighteen. That's wow. it. There are only six that exist because, you know, she was poor, and this is when photography wasn't that popular. You know, yeah, and it's at the same time,
0: but still, I guess uh, it's hard to. I uh, mean, rec- it's a different generation. But being an archivist and uh, and subsequently an audiophile for life, uh, I, I it's hard for me to relate to that. Just because you know, as technology progressed, we were able to be, become more and more uh involved in archiving our lives and now it's gotten to a point where it's even more saturated than ever in fact it's yeah. sort of embedded embedded like we, we, yeah, we can't control it whereas there's before, an, impu- yeah, it's an it impulse, was selective so, before and now it's sort of it's compu- mandatory it's a compulsion exactly
1: it is it's almost a compulsion um but while we're again talking about archiving we'll plug it because we plug it every time if you've got tapes we want your tapes Share it with us. There's
2: all kinds of places. You could send it via the internet. You could send it on a mule with a trader. With this <laughs> if anybody really send. wants
1: to snail mail it to us, you can email us. We'll give you a snail mail address.
2: Shit, Brooks is still
0: having to get us uh, his tapes when, when he was playing guitar, either badly or just uh, novice-like. I, I imagine the latter. So if you got stuff,
1: send us your stuff.
0: Brooks, do you, before we go, um, do you have any like plugs you want to um, give us? Uh, anything you want to shout out or projects yeah, I, coming up?
3: I, yeah, I, I do. I do actually. So we've we, I've been using. This is the first time I've ever used Skype, by the way. Um, ever and yeah, honestly, ever. Um, and uh, it's it's been a nightmare. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're a trooper. And, uh, so this is not a Skype plug
3: because of uh, the uh, the backdoor access that. Uh, let me put on my tinfoil hat here, the NSA has, and I think that they've been listening to this entire conversation and they're going to archive it and probably put it on the cassette tape forever.
1: I'm sure Microsoft has gonna... something to do with that too because Microsoft bought Skype and it started to suck. And
0: the fact that you're mentioning it gives you even more credibility to uh, what you're about to plug. I know exactly where you're going. You got shout about... out to the NSA. Yeah, shout out to the NSA. <laughs>
3: shout out to the NSA. So, uh, So I actually wrote a song for them and about them, and it went uh, semi-viral on the Internet. I don't know if you guys heard about this. You probably didn't. I mean, come on, you're not everywhere. Like they are. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd like everyone to check out my song. I, uh, I, uh, Huffington Post wrote about it. We're actually in the process of making a music video, which is going to be super cool, but the song is available for free download on my SoundCloud site. That's soundcloud.com slash Rocco, all one word. We'll put that up Uh, on our site,
1: too. We'll we'll link to it. Sure.
0: Actually, just to tack on to that, I should say that uh, in addition to this fantastic song, which I do know about from the NSA, uh, about the NSA, he has another, uh, Brooks has another amazing song, which is a cover of Fastball's The Way, has to be heard, especially since it, you know, more or less correlates to the 90s uh, uh, discussion. Um, Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, I did. A, I did a cover of the fastball song, and I added an extra verse because I think the song is actually much more sad and depressing than fastball made it out to be. It's a super morbid song. It's about a yeah. It's a <laughs> well, you know what it's about, yeah. and I won't ruin it for our wonderful listeners. But uh, that's also on my SoundCloud page. So yeah, have a listen to those two things and um, and spread them around like wildfire.
0: Beautiful, Brooks. Happy birthday to you.
3: Oh, thanks, a lot. Thanks so much, and uh, happy birthday to you, Jimmy. It's great to hang and spend some time with you, uh, you uh, least Coasters. <laughs> Ooh,
0: Ooh.
3: Ooh. <laughs> Low
1: blow, dude. I don't know if we can have you back now this after is that.
0: Tough love going on <laughs> this episode. Jeez.
1: Brooks, thank you so much for joining us all the way from San Francisco. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully we'll
0: have we'll have you back. You'll be back
1: as long as there's no more East Coast jabs. Otherwise, this is
3: going to get contentious. Well, you know he's what? from the East Coast. To come out there, so I'll, I'll see you guys. I'll, I'll see you guys at the Wonderworks at, at midnight.
0: Done. Sounds like a plan, man. Have a good night, and uh, we'll be back in a little bit. This is Lost and Rewound. <laughs>
1: Thanks for joining us again. Thanks to Brooks Rocco joining us all the way from San Francisco. Don't forget you can find us online, lostinrewound.com, Gmail, Facebook, Twitter.
0: We're on iTunes.
1: iTunes. You,
0: you, you can't not find us. We're all the fuck over the internet. You and open every book on your shelf? Damn right. Lost in Rewound. And also make sure to check out Brooks' Twitter page while you're at it, because I'm just going to plug it. Brooks Rocco, all, in one, all one word, B-R-O-O-K-S-R-O-C-C-O. He is a funny guy, and he will be back. So, in the meantime, uh, thanks for joining us and laughing with us on this episode.
2: Lost
1: and Rewound is hosted by Elon Danziger, Jimmy Hoffman, and Melissa Lloyd. Produced by Douglas Johnson.
2: Lost and Rewound. What, yeah? <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> you
4: always said the show is some, like... Oh, just it's some... it just, uh, just some <laughs> random... Something some stupid? Th- I don't think of something really good Half right the time now. that
1: we cut those, like, one-line... My line favorite of- one of those was...
4: yeah that was pretty good
1: um